Praise the Lord and welcome to New Life. I'm Pastor David Kufall. New Life is located at 1021 South Center Street in Wapiton, North Dakota. And I'm glad you could join with us this morning wherever you are at. You are now here with us. And we are glad that you have showed up today. And uh, we uh, praise the Lord. But one of these days, you're going to want to come and be part. Uh, let me tell you something. You want to come to New Life on October the 16th. We're not going to have Sunday school that day. October 16th is our annual fall dinner and project day. And you're going to want to be here with us because the food is too good to pass up. And uh, I even think that Hal might be baking a 20-layer chocolate cake. Um, no, I don't think it'll be 20 layers, and I'm not sure if it's going to be chocolate, but who knows what Hal might do. He's, he used to be a baker before he retired. Now he's just a, um, a gentleman, a, a grandpa, a gentleman who likes to sit back and enjoy life. And so... Um, he is so glad that at Christmas time he's not baking all those cookies any longer. And so, praise the Lord. Anyway, you're going to want to be here on October 16th. This morning I want to talk about this. Be the new creation. Be the new creation God has made you. Now, we read the other day that we, when we got saved, we became a new creation in Christ Jesus, did we not? He made us fresh. That's what the definition of being born again is, is becoming a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are, what? New. And so we're no longer the old person we used to be, but the problem we have is too many Christians are dragging around the corpse. They're not letting go of the old. And, and, and psychiatrists say, well, you'll never get rid of the old. Now, I'm telling you something. Jesus says, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, old things are new. You are no longer the addict you were. You don't have to walk, carry around the disorders. You don't have to carry around because you have been made new in Christ, if we would just believe in the power of the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross for us, if we would just believe him when he said it is finished, when he carried all of our stuff on the cross, he put it on his shoulders so that we could have a new life. Now think about that. And we could, we could be the new creation that God has created in us, that he has called us to be. Mm, 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 mm. I'm not talking about you being Pollyanna and that every day you just wake up um, acting like Snow White and you're just whistling and singing so pretty and the windows are open and the birds come and land on your hand. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being a new creation in Christ Jesus where old things have gone. All that stuff that people accused you of, it's under the blood <laughs> to be remembered no more. All those regrets that you have, gone under the blood. My word, we can't live in regret. Uh, I was watching uh, Jimmy Swaggart a little bit this morning. Um, Sunday school with Jimmy Swaggart, I call it. And uh, 
Um, during the pandemic, I started doing that because we weren't having Sunday school, so I went to Sunday school there. And, and uh, he was talking about his uncle, his uncle who was Jerry Lee Lewis's uh, daddy. And um, did you know that Jerry Lee Lewis and J Jimmy Swagger just cut a new album and it's out? Yeah, they, they got into the studio together, and, and Jerry Lee looks ancient compared to, and Jimmy's old. <laughs> you know, he, he's got that old man squint, you know, and he moves slow like an old man, and he has to preach for sitting down now, and uh, praise God, he's still preaching, right? But he and Jerry Lee just, uh, Lewis just uh, cut a new album of gospel songs. Well, anyway, Jerry Lee Lewis's daddy showed up, he was going to go in and preach, and he looked at him and said, uh, uh, Sun Records, you all know Sun Records, Elvis Presley and Jerry Lee Lewis and all the, you know, they were cutting big times. It wasn't RCA, it was, but they were doing all the hits at the time. And, and, and uh, um, his uncle said, hey, J Jimmy, I got good news for you. Um, he wants to start a new record label just for gospel music, and he wants you to be the first artist on there. And if you go ahead and sign with him, you could be driving a Cadillac just like me. And at that time, Cadillac was the car to have. Remember those days? You know, Cadillac looked different from everybody else, and everybody knew that you arrived if you were driving a Cadillac. Today, not so much. It looks like any other car on the road. And so... Um, it's not the prestige that, unless you're selling Mary Kay and you get a pink car, but I won't be selling Mary Kay, and I don't want a pink car. Anyway, he said to him, Jimmy, he wants you to be there tomorrow morning. And they were just going in to preach revival at this one church, he and his wife. And uh, he said, the Holy Spirit said, no. And he looked, I looked at my uncle and says, no, I can't do it. But, but Jimmy, you don't understand. Every time I see you, you're wearing the same suit. And every time I see Frances, she's wearing the same dress. Don't you know what this could mean for you? And he says, I can't do it because the Holy Spirit told him no. And here's the thing about being a new creation in Christ. Jimmy said, the Lord, I asked the Lord when I went into the church and prayed, I said, Lord, why did you say no? And the only thing the Holy Spirit, he says, it wasn't a big revival. It wasn't anything. He just said, trust me. And he says, I trust the Lord. And I found that the Lord could get me into the best studios and I could sell more albums than I ever dreamt of selling because the Lord knew how to sell them. People are still buying his music today. Can you believe that? After all these years and all the troubles he has, people are still worldwide are buying his records and playing them. But if we put our trust in the Lord and obey, like Noah this morning as we were studying, he, two things, he listened and obeyed. You know, if we would just start looking at that and we start trusting what the Word of God says, and when He says we are a new creation, that the old things are gone, we don't have to live in those things any longer, but if we would just trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 17, says... Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. 
They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed, to practice every kind of impurity. But that is, and that is not the way you learn Christ. And I like how he says this, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him. As the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for this word today. And I thank you, Lord, that you just touch us. That, Lord, you become more real to us today. That, Lord, we will walk in the newness of life. That, Lord, we will finally let go of all this, the junk and the regret and all the things that weigh us down. Because, Lord, you carried them on the cross for us. They are under the blood. You have made us new a new creation. You have given us a new life. We have become born again, Lord. Help us to live that way. Help us to live according to what we've been taught. We praise you for this in Jesus' name, and I thank you for your anointing to preach this word. We glorify your name. We just want to hear from you today, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I'm going to reiterate it again. If you are in Christ, you are no longer who you used to be. Hmm. We are not given over to the futility of our minds. Some of us are dragging things around and telling God you're a liar. Some of us are walking around and telling God you are a liar. I didn't say you were, I just happened to look at you, I'm sorry. <laughs> we, we, we act like God's word isn't true. I, I see these Facebook posts about dead loved ones. Now, I'm, I feel for you but you know what? Your dead loved one is not looking down. They're no longer concerned about this world. And if you believe what this Bible says, and if your loved one believed in Jesus, they're in heaven and stop moping around and, and acting like you will never, ever see them again. We do not have a hope that is not real. We have a hope in Jesus Christ. And that hope says we will have a reunion with loved ones of those who have gone before because we are born again and because they were born again. Hallelujah. My word. Stop moping around and start living in hope and rejoice that you're going to see one another once again because you're both saved. But if we're just going to walk around as our pity party, how are we ever going to convince somebody else that they need Jesus so they don't go to hell, but they go to heaven? My word. We, don't, we act like the word of God isn't true. 
As much as I miss my parents, my word, I wouldn't ask God to bring them back to this world right now at all. Oh, they're so much far better off. My dad says, I can't wait to get there. I'm, I'm at least getting out of here. He, he already saw the writing on the wall. He saw where our world was headed. And he saw where this country was headed. He says, I'm not too worried about you kids. I'm worried about my grandkids and my great-grandkids, if the Lord will tarry. He says, but my day is over with. He knew that he wasn't here for long, and he couldn't wait to get to heaven. He made sure that his mom and his dad were both saved before they died. Led them both to the Lord so that he could see them again. When I worked at St. Francis, I could always say, this is going down a rabbit trail, I know, but when I worked at St. Francis as a chaplain, I could always tell the believer who died from the unbeliever who died. And it was by the tears. The unbeliever was usually... People were wailing because they had no hope. But those who were, who, whose loved one believed in Jesus Christ, they had tears, they cried, but we rejoiced that they were in heaven. And as I said to, to, to those folks when we would pray, and, and I would say to them, I bet I can know exactly what they're doing right now is they've met Jesus because I was always there at the moment of death. They've just met Jesus and he's saying, welcome home, welcome home. And I can just hear them bragging on you and asking the Lord, take care of my family until we see each other once again. You see, we have that hope of resurrection. We have that hope that we're going to go in the rapture. We have that hope we're going to see our loved ones. We have that hope. And I'll tell you what, all of us who really believe in Jesus Christ wouldn't want him to come back. You know when Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb, what does it say right before that? He wept. He really didn't want to call him out of the tomb because he knew Lazarus was in a better place, but because it was going to bring glory to his father, he shouted, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came hopping out of there and going, Lord, this is his best friend, you know. What did you bring me back to this world for? Because God had a plan for you. You know, after that, the Jews were trying to kill him. They're all crying, oh, Lazarus, he's gone. And then he comes back and the leaders are trying to kill him. How silly. Stop moping around. Start believing what the word of God says. You have hope because you are saved. Come on. And because of that hope, you can escape the great tribulation that's coming. Come, that's where you could clap. Come on. <laughs> we are not given over to the futility of our minds and that's what I've been talking about the futility of our mind would keep us depressed without hope what does Paul says now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do the unbelievers in the futility of their minds. Are you an unbeliever? No. So don't act like one. Don't think like one. Time to change the way we think. Paul, say, Paul says elsewhere, put on the mind of Christ. 
This is why it's good to get into discipleship class and learn what the Word of God has to say. We studied Noah this morning. I knew you knew the story so well that I didn't have to go verse by verse, word by word. We are not to live in ignorance, Paul says in verse 18. They are, he goes on to talk about these Gentiles, these unbelievers. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due, why? To their hardness of heart. Now, as believers, are we a bunch of, are we ignorant? Do you like it when somebody calls you ignorant? Uh-uh. Everybody here is very, very smart. You know how you know? Because you ask Jesus into your heart. Only a fool says there is no God. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible said. It says only a fool says there's no God. Our understanding isn't darkened, darkened because we have the Holy Spirit. We're not alienated from the life of God because we're not ignorant of Him. And here's the other thing, because Jesus came in our heart, we no longer have a hard heart. He has softened it. But you know what? Some Christians harden their hearts towards the things of God because they rather live in ignorance than live in Jesus. Your heart's kind of gotten hard because life has been hard and oh, things have happened that you can't explain. And you just shake your head. Why, Lord? Why? Let him soften your heart. Just, just trust the Lord. <laughs> this verse that I'm going to read next should never describe the life of a believer. Verse 19. And they have become callous and have given themselves up to what? Sensuality. Greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Now, can we talk for a second? Does that not describe the current culture? That's why we need to help people. See Jesus. Our focus has to become laser-like. That we tell people about Jesus. We share the good news of salvation with them. Well, pastor, I try and I try. You've got to keep trying until they hear you. It's like the current culture, the people of the current culture is like trying to talk to a nine-year-old. They hear us, but they do not listen. Right? And I don't care if they're 80 years old or if they are nine years old. It's all this, those who are caught up in the culture, those who are outside of Jesus, they hear us, but they don't listen. And so you need to explain what you're saying. Because this nation right now has a, we're going through 
in this country, just look at Facebook, look at Facebook Live, listen to some of the things that are being said out there. There is a famine in the land. And I'm not talking about food. I am talking about there's a famine of people knowing the Word of God, what it really says. And we have to help explain it to them. Not mansplaining. I'm talking about lovingly, carefully telling them about Jesus and what the Word actually says. Because there's a lot of stuff. You know, right now the whole culture thinks that everybody who dies, every single person, doesn't matter how bad they lived or how good they lived, they're all going to heaven. Did you know that? That's how they act. Everybody's going to heaven. The dirtiest, rottenest drug lord who's running the cartel, when he dies, he's going to get to go to heaven too. Oh, that's not true. That can't be. No, that's the way the culture talks and how they act. Right? But that's not true. Not everybody's going to make it to heaven. Only those who've asked Jesus into their heart. Right? And so we who believe need to help them. Besides, time is getting short. You know one of the ways you, you can get Jesus to come tomorrow? Preach the word of God to every person in the world, and then boom, he's coming. That's what the Bible says. Isn't that what he said? When, when the word has been preached to the ends of the earth, then the end shall come. Now, that doesn't mean that the great tribulation is not going to happen. That means the rapture is going to happen. Because the church age will be done. The age of grace will be done, and then it becomes the age of wrath. And, and remember what the Bible says, God's wrath is not poured out on his people. So we need to be ready. So if you want to make sure that you escape that wrath, just make sure you're saved, and, and, and you're believing in God, and you're living for God, and when Jesus says, all right, come on up, because he's gonna, that's what he's going to say, come up here. And, and because I'm going to show you things you need to see. That's what he said to John, isn't it? In the book, Revelations chapter 4, verse 1, come on up. And, and if you read earlier in the, in the book of Revelation, when he speaks, he sounds, his voice is like a trumpet sound. Oh, and the trumpet shall sound. Those who are dead in Christ shall first come up. And then we who are alive will be caught up with them. In a twinkling of an eye, we're going to fly through the air and be with Jesus. And then it's going to take seven years or six years, somewhere in that, six to seven years to go through the judgment seat uh, of Christ. That's not the great white throne judgment. That's where all our rewards are going to There's so many people who have gotten saved, you know. And all the folks that are going to be there from Adam all the way down to us, you know, who ever gotten believers. And so we're all going to be celebrating everybody. Time you'll walk up there and he'll start piling everything up and all of a sudden he'll be, she'll be given her reward, right? Isn't that going to be cool? And, and the first shall be last and the last shall be first. <laughs> that, that's, that, I find that's actually a reward. Why? Can you imagine? Here's Paul. Responsible for a lot of churches starting, right? Including our own, because Romans has started, the book of Romans has started more revivals and more churches because people got into the book of Romans. Can you imagine Paul standing there in line waiting his turn and he looks in front of him and all the people who were saved because he preached the gospel? My word. Do you think he's going to walk up there to receive his crown thinking that's the reward? No, he just watched his reward go into the throne of grace. 
And, it, and he's not judging us for the bad things we did. That's not the judgment. That's, the, that's a later judgment for all the wicked people, right? And then we're going to have a whole year of the marriage supper of the Lamb. Wow. And, and, and you're not going to feel like you overate like on Thanksgiving. <laughs> And, and, and you won't gain any weight from eating all that. I mean, there's going to be angel food cake there. Right? I mean, all the good stuff. And then we're going to celebrate communion with Jesus up there. Wow. Can you, and he said he was not going to touch the fruit of the vine until that day. And so we're going to celebrate communion with the Lord. Can you imagine what that's going to be like? Wow. We can't even, it's hard to wrap our heads over it. And, and so we don't want to be like the world. We want to be like Jesus. And then <laughs> verse 20 and 21 says, we have, not learned, we have not learned Christ as the culture is teaching him. Hmm. I like how he says this here. But that is not the way, he, we talked about all this stuff, right? But that is not the way you learn Christ, Paul says. Why are you acting like that? Why are you acting like you have no hope? That's not how you learn Christ. Come on. And then he says, assuming, he's probably talking about our day because there's so many churches that omit things out of the Word of God today. They won't even call sin, sin. They won't even talk about the cross and the blood of Jesus and how he won our victory. But that's not the way you learn Christ, assuming you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Wow, Paul knew this day was coming. He needed to rev us up. He needed to give us more hope. He needed to say, hey, I know there's a day coming, and I know you weren't taught that way, and you were actually taught Jesus. <laughs> you, you are the ones who are but there's so many who are, have not learned about Jesus because they haven't been discipled. I've told you before, Bill Clinton made his mistakes because he was not discipled correctly when he got saved. It all, you can look at his life. You know, there, there's a lot of good stuff you can say about Bill. My word, he could give a speech like nobody else, right? And he, he, he could find the positive in a horrible situation. And he learned by watching President Reagan how to comfort people when terrible things happened. He knew that was part of his job. And he could do it really well, couldn't he? But then he had his problems, didn't he? My word... And his problems, I, I don't know, I, I have to feel a little sorry for him because when his problems came to light, being married to Hillary, <laughs> mm, that was punishment enough. <laughs> Most people don't realize he slept on the couch for weeks. Did you know that? Lincoln bedroom was across the, no, he wasn't, he slept on the couch. It's all documented. People who work there documented it. She, she, doesn't, she didn't just roll over and did her stand by your man. Doo, doo, doo. She told us all that she was not Tammy Wynette. But you know what? They stayed together. There's a po there's, that's positive. 
they stayed together when she could have kicked them to the curb. Well, she would have had to move out because they were in the White House at the time. But you know his problems. And you know what? If we prayed harder for him, maybe he wouldn't have had those problems. But if he had been discipled correctly in the Word of God, he would have never done what he did. Do you know that? Because he was told, oh, don't worry about it, Bill. Whatever you do, you don't have to worry about that. Once saved, always saved. You don't have to worry about asking for forgiveness. Bill, it don't matter. God is, God is pro-choice. That was he was taught by his pastor that he got saved, the church he got saved in. Taught him that because he wanted to know everything about Jesus. So he got together one-on-one with his pastor and he was discipled wrong. And you know what? His pastor's no longer in that church. And his pastor's no longer with um, the Southern Baptists. When they found out this is what he was teaching, they weeded him out. Good for them. But verse 20 and 21 is why we need to make disciples. Because it is horrible what passes as teaching about Jesus today. Example, salvation without repentance. We need to help people. And we help them by loving them to know the real Jesus. We can't walk up to them with our Bible and start slapping around with it. I know there's some people you'd love to do that too, but that won't work. A man who was in the mafia got saved. True story. I actually heard him speak. He was a hitman. He was only put into prison for the people they knew that he killed. All while in prison, he got saved, wonderfully, radically saved. He started learning what the Bible had to say and about his responsibility to share with others about Jesus. God did something miraculous for him. Should never have happened with all the murders that he was sent away for. But he got paroled. Couldn't believe it. I'm getting paroled. Why are you paroling me, Lord? I should be there forever. I should never get out of there. But he got paroled. And he figured it was because he was supposed to be telling people about Jesus, that's why God got him out of there. So he was going to do all he could do to reach all his old friends to tell them about Jesus. He says, so the first day he was out, he went to look up some of his old associates. And he caught one of his friends going into a men's restroom in a public place. And he says, I followed him in. And I walked in with that determination. I'm going to tell him about Jesus. And he says, the man looked at me with fear in his eyes. Because he knew who I was. And I said, hey, he called him by name. I need to tell you something. More fear because he figured, okay, the big boss wants me gone. Because <laughs> he sent him to give me a message. He said, you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Right now. And the guy is just, oh, starts shaking. Get on your knees. No, that's how you usually, you get them on their knees, you get around the backside, and you pull the trigger. That's how the execution is done in the mob, right? You've seen TV. 
He gets on his knees. Now you accept Jesus Christ right now as your Lord and Savior. I'm telling you, oh, you're going to burn in hell. And so the guy went ahead did the sinner's prayer with him real quick. And said, okay, okay. He says, welcome to the family of God. I'm glad you're saved. And the guy couldn't wait to get out of that bathroom, ran away. And he said, the Holy Spirit convicted me right on the spot. He says, he didn't get saved because he wanted me. He got saved because he didn't want to be killed by you. And he says, oh, that's not how I'm supposed to do it? No, not by fear, not by intimidation. And so he went and he got himself discipled more in how to love people into the kingdom instead of intimidate them into the kingdom. Can you imagine, though? My word, if he kept that up, he could have had a list a mile long about the people who got saved, but would they really been saved? <clears throat> no. You see, you see, we, need, we, can't, we, can't, we can't beat them up with our words or slap them around to get them saved. We need to explain through the love of Christ why they need Jesus. And it might take you a lifetime to get some of them saved. George, David Mueller took years to get a friend saved. He still didn't get saved. The man came to the Lord after his, during his funeral. You see, we don't know the impact of our lives on somebody and why, and we need to tell. We need to preach Jesus to them. We need to share our... And here's the easiest way for you to preach Jesus to somebody. Just tell them your life story. Because he said, go and make disciples, right? And then he tells us how to do it. You will be my witnesses. Just tell them what Jesus has done for you. So here's what we need to do. And we will be effective in our Christian lifestyle if we do these things. Paul doesn't goes ahead and says, here's the things you need to do. Okay? Verse 24, he says, put off your former conduct, right? Verse 22 says, put off your, your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. So that's the first thing you do. Put it off. Let it go. It's already covered in the blood. Why are you carrying it around any longer? Then he says in verse 23, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. So we're supposed to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. What does Paul say elsewhere? Put on the mind of Christ. Stop having those stinking thoughts that you have. Start thinking the way God wants you to think. Start thinking of, what does he say? In Philippians he says, Think on these things. What things? Go look it up in Philippians and you'll see a whole list of things you could be thinking about instead of the old stuff. Right? Come on. Instead of letting fear rule your life? Oh, my word. And then he says in 24, put on the new man. That new creation God has made you to be. And put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Did you ever think about that? Everybody's, everybody here probably is saying, I want to be more righteous, I want to live a holier life. Well, you've already been created in that likeness, haven't you? Isn't that what it says? Put on the new self, created after the likeness of God. What is that likeness in? His righteousness his holiness. It's already been done because of the cross. 
If we would just believe what Jesus said, it is finished, I did it all on the cross for you. My word, holiness and righteousness would be so much simpler for us. Lord, I can't do it in my own strength. I can't do it in my own ability, but I know I can in you. Oh, Lord, I know I do. Paul said it. You know what he said? I do the things I do not want to do. Doesn't that sound like you? And I don't do the things I want to do. But because of the grace of God and sanctification, he was able to live for Jesus. Sanctification means set apart, set aside, uh, set, set apart to God. No longer are you set apart to the world. You are now set apart to God. And because you have been created in the likeness of God's righteousness and holiness, guess what? You can do it through Christ Jesus, not in yourself, but in him. And all of a sudden, when we realize that, my word, we can be set free from so many things. What a great insight the Holy Spirit gave to the Apostle Paul for us. If we would do these things, we would be stronger in our Christian faith. And we would be able to share our faith with others more effectively. Why? It will help others see the difference that Jesus has made in our lives. Let them see the difference Jesus has made in your life. Live as a person of hope. Let them see Jesus in you. I went to work for Sears before I moved up here. We had a young man who was a deacon in his church. His name was Terrence. We were having a, we were having a struggling day. None of the workers that day were getting along. The store was busier than all get out. We were having a great sale. And people were just agitating with each other. And so we decided to have a huddle right there in the middle of our department. We all huddled up and we said, we can't be getting mad with each other. We gotta do something about this. And, and some of them were going, what are we gonna do? And Terrence just looked at us. He said, I'll just tell you what our preacher said the other day. The reason why we're having a problem today is because nobody's seeing the Jesus in you. When he started talking like that, all of a sudden, the whole ad, people started laughing, everybody started lightening up, and we had a great day to finish off the day. Because people need to see the Jesus in us. You might be having a rotten, no good day, and you come across somebody who has a worse rotten, no good day, but they should see Jesus in you, helping you with your rotten, no good day, because that'll be a witness to them. Man, I don't, I don't know how she does it. I don't know how he does it. My word, it always seems like they got hope and they, got a, they can have a smile on their face when they're going through a rough time. Why, and they'll ask you, why is that? Because I got Jesus. And they, you have no idea what I'm going through, but because of Jesus, he's getting me through. See? Wait a second. You just became a witness for Jesus. You're working towards making a disciple. You just shared your faith. See how easy it is to do? So let's be effective. 
Let's start doing what this word says. Amen? Let's start living for Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you and praise you for this message today and that you did all the hard work for us. And all we have to do is put our faith in you and obey. Oh Lord, let us live in hope. And let us live as you intended us to live, believing that all the words in your Bible is true and it can get us through no matter what. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for this in Jesus' name. Touch all everybody who heard this message today, those who are watching by Facebook and YouTube, touch their lives today. Let them be living hope, walking around, so that others can see Jesus. Help us, Lord, to share the good news with others so they too can know you. We praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. I'm going to let you folks at home go. We're going to have communion here today. Oh, there's another reason why you need to show up in New Life, especially the first Sunday of the month, so you can have communion with us. It's a good thing to um, celebrate Jesus. Amen. I will see you next time. See you all those on Facebook Live. I'll see you tomorrow um, for coffee break. <laughs>